Hello and welcome back to XX Maya the podcast. I'm your host, Maya Fiorella, and today we have a very special guest joining us. Before we jump into the lovely conversation I had with Lanny, let's cover the 111. If you missed last week's episode and have no idea what I'm talking about, this is basically our newest podcast segment, and it goes a little something like this one obsession of the week, one inspiration, and one motivation every single week. So, my obsession of the week is blood oranges, which is so random, but I cannot stop eating them. I literally have eaten a blood orange at least once, possibly three times every single day this week, so I highly recommend a blood orange to you. My inspiration of the week is actually the guest of the podcast episode, Miss Alana Bloomberg. Specifically, I am so inspired by her consistency on social media. She is absolutely killing it. Five to ten TikToks a day, constantly posting on Instagram stories. She even keeps her LinkedIn updated every single day. So Alana is absolutely my inspiration of the week. And if you want to take social media seriously, I highly recommend being inspired by her as well. And lastly, my one motivation. This week, I was extremely motivated by affirmations, so I will leave you with my favorite affirmation ever. I probably say this once or twice a day, no joke, I just love it. And it is, I already have everything I need to succeed. All right, now, you probably know Alana, possibly as Lanny Befit, rest in peace, she had a rebrand moment, but anywho... Alana is one of my favorite content creators out there, and today we chatted about everything from post-grad life to dating to growing on social media. I am so excited for y'all to hear our conversation, so without any further ado, let's welcome Lanny to the pod. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm Alana, or you can call me Lan or Lanny. Lan is like a new nickname I've thrown in here. Um, I'm 22 years old from Toronto, Canada. I'm a health, wellness, and lifestyle content creator, but I also work full-time as a marketing coordinator for Mutual Friends. Um, it's a creative agency, so I do that full-time. And essentially, I do like social media management for them, branding, and all that fun stuff. Um, and I just graduated from Ryerson University, got my Bachelor of Commerce in Marketing Management and a minor in Retail Management. Amazing. A queen of many talents, obviously. I would love to know how your post-grad life has been. I also just recently graduated from college, and I feel like I didn't have that much of a plan going into post-grad. So I'm curious, did you have a plan at all? I feel like my experience is very unique because my university is in the city, like it's in the downtown core of Toronto. And I had started working in May instead of waiting until I finished grad, like school and graduated. Um, I didn't have a plan. I actually was supposed to graduate only in June originally, like this coming June. But I figured out last year, I think it was around this time that I actually only had like half a year left. So I finished in December and I kind of started to freak out. Like, I was like, I don't have a job. How does one find a job? I don't know what job I want. I know I want social media. And for so long, I was like, I thought I knew exactly what I wanted. And then I went on to LinkedIn jobs and I went on to Indeed and all these different job sites. I'm like, I don't know what I want. This looks like gibberish to me. Like, I feel like I'm not qualified for anything. Everyone wants five years experience 
And yes, technically speaking, I do have the experience, but it's not professional experience. All of it was self-taught. So obviously there's a lot of like imposter syndrome that happens there, but no, I didn't have a plan. And I feel like most people don't, we're all kind of just like figuring out life as it goes. And even if you have a plan, I'm sorry, babe, but it probably isn't going to go to plan. So I didn't have a plan. My plan was, I just wanted to find a job. I wanted to not hate my job. That was my biggest fear, hating my job, because I hear about all these, I want to say horror stories of these grads that loved college, loved school, were so excited for their career, get into their nine to five or whatever job it is. Maybe even it's like an eight to like seven if they're in finance or something even more extreme and hating it. And they hate their job and they dread going and they're miserable. And like, that was my biggest fear because I always loved school and I wanted that love to continue into my career. Um, but no, no plan, but life is great. I'm so glad to hear that. I didn't have a plan at all either. Throughout my college experience, I always assumed that I was going to go to graduate school, like right after I graduated from my undergrad, because I love school and I did really well in college. So I assumed, okay, yeah, I'm just going to sign up for more school, obviously. But then I also had that unique experience where I graduated sooner than I was expecting to, which kind of threw my plans for a loop because I was like, okay, well, now I have six months before, you know, grad applications come through. And then Mm -hmm. also I realized that I'm not even sure if I want to go to more school. I feel like jumping straight into graduate school right after finishing your undergrad works for some people, but for me... I think it would have been more of a challenge to actually Mm -hmm. find a job. And I totally relate to what you were saying about feeling imposter syndrome. I'm still currently looking for a job. So it's been a little bit chaotic, but overall, how has post-grad been for you? Like you, do you feel like you're thriving right now? You look like you are. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I feel like it's definitely an adjustment. I also switched jobs. Like I got a new job. So I was working at Greenfresh from May until December. And then this all happened in a weekend, like as to when like everything turned over, like obviously I knew about it for a while, but I had my last day at Greenfresh on a Friday. I finished school on the Sunday and I started my new job on the Monday. So within a span of like four days, my entire life totally changed, which is wild. Um, but I'm really happy. Yes. Sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? I don't really know what's going on. I have all these adulting things like getting comfortable with what my new like visa bill is every month. Like, obviously it's not the same as what it was when I was living at home and my parents were supporting me. I now live in an apartment where I pay the rent and I pay everything and my parents no longer support me. So it's definitely an adjustment with that. I definitely do think I was ready and my parents luckily prepared me really well. And I feel like I've always been someone who's super independent and I figure out things on my own. Um, But it's been a lot of fun and it's just like adjusting more so to the fact that not everyone is in the same life phase as you anymore. Um, Some people have been promoted. Some people are searching for jobs. Some people are not working. Some people are working a retail job while they try to figure out what 
they want to do in a more professional career. And there's nothing wrong with working retail job. I did it. I loved it. Um, but everyone's in different places. Some people are working insane hours. Some people are working like 20 hours. So it's adjusting to that. And then also like your friends kind of being all over the place, but it kind of makes it fun because you're discovering new areas of the city and there's no longer like you're restricted to the pool of people that you go to school with. You're now like expanded into like all these people in your workplace. Like I hang out with people that are like 30, like I'm only 22. I hang out with people that are 20, like from my sorority. I hang out with people that are my age, a little bit older. And then like you have dating and everything and like it's, and you don't have to worry about school, which is really nice because for a while I was balancing school. I was balancing work. I was balancing socials, a social life, dating, like personal time, like everything. Like, I I don't know how I did that. That was, that was hell. Like if we just want to put it out there, I'm sure I glamorized it a little bit, but that was stressful. So it's definitely very refreshing to be in post-grad life and exciting. And like, I'm excited for this new chapter. How do you think your schedule has been adjusted since, like you said, it was literal hell trying to balance everything. I mean, you're still balancing so many different things. How do you prioritize? How do you make time for everything? So Google Calendar is my best friend because little Alana loved to think that she could remember everything in her head, but she cannot. Um, we even experienced this. I double booked myself last week, but we use Google calendar. I try to use a planner. I go in and out of using the planner. Honestly, Google calendar is my favorite because it's on my phone. It's on my computer. It reminds me on my Apple watch. Like it's everywhere. Um, I don't have to worry about writing it down in a book. I can have people send me calendar invites. It's awesome. And then just like knowing what my priorities are firstly. And then secondly, when do I work best in terms of getting those priorities done or like fitting them into my schedule? So for example, I know I am the most creative at night. So I will creative, get like my creative juices flowing at night. Like I will think about the things that I want to film or the content I want to create. Obviously I can't really film at night. The lighting isn't the best, but I can use the nighttime to do things like podcasting where lighting doesn't matter as much or brainstorm or do admin work or answer emails and stuff like that. And then in terms of like fitting in working out, I know I work out best in the morning, but sometimes I have to work out after work. Like I worked out after work today um, and I fit that in. I did a little 30 minute workout, but Google calendar, honestly, a godsend and time blocking. So figuring out like what days can you do what? So I'm not working on Saturday and Sunday. Yes, I do manage social media. So I do have to like kind of be on, unaware, aware of that, but I'm not like clocked in from like nine to five. Um, so then I try to batch shoot my content, get together with friends so they can help me shoot, but then also then have time to be social with them. Um, but just like try to fit things in where I can and keep myself on a schedule. So I like to upload YouTube videos on a Wednesday. So my video needs to be done before Wednesday. My podcast episodes go on a Monday. So I need to find time to record before then, um, batch recording, trying to do things ahead of time, thinking of my future self really helps. I love that. I feel like it's so important to find a system that works for you. And I know I had a great routine when I was in college. And then once I graduated, I had to completely readjust things because, you know, I didn't need five to six hours doing lecture work and homework Mm -hmm. anymore. So I had to figure out how to fill that. And I love what you said about finding 
what time of the day works best for you to do specific activities. I'm the exact same. I'm so creative, like right before I fall asleep. So I (laughs) I keep my journal right next to my bed because if I have like a random idea, I love to just write it down. That way I, you know, have it somewhere. And then the next day I can go back, look at it and record but I need to do my emails in the morning because that is when my brain like wants to form sentences properly (laughs) and be in my business mode. So find what works for you definitely. And everyone's going to be so different about that too. But I would love to know what your like day-to-day life looks like now. Okay. So it kind of changes because I do like hybrid. So sometimes I'm working from home. Sometimes I get to go into the office, which is super awesome. It's only three of us really going into office. So it changes. It's not like a set, like this week we're in office and next week we're, we're out of office. It's kind of just day by day. Um, but I'll give a rundown of what my day looks like when I go into the office and a rundown of what my day looks like when I'm at home. So going into the office, I go into the office for 930. I'm very lucky that I work with a young and hip company and we work, we start work at 930, not at the crack of dawn at like 8am or something. So it takes me about 30 minutes to commute to work. So I have to leave my house at around nine. Um, I was originally waking up at around 6, 6.30, but lately I've just been finding my body needs more rest and I don't need as much time in the morning since I'm starting work a bit later. So I wake up at seven. I either do a short little workout in my apartment because right now our gyms are closed. They're reopening here in Toronto, but I'll do a workout in my apartment or I won't and I'll get ready and then I'll have breakfast. I like to have a greens powder like in a drink. So I've been having AG1 from Athletic Greens, not sponsored, soon to be, but not sponsored. Um, I absolutely really like it if it's, it is worth the hype. I was like on edge. I was like, is this actually good? No, it actually is good. Um, so many people have been posting about it. They've completely influenced me. I just ordered some. <laughs> yes. And it it's like so aesthetic too. Like I want to have it in, like I have it in the tin in my fridge because it's like refrigerated after opening and it's cute and it actually tastes good. So you're in for a treat. Um, so I like to have my greens. I've been trying to have at least like half my hydro flask before water. So like before water, before coffee. Um, so I'll make my coffee. I'll make breakfast. Um, got into like having breakfast earlier because before my other job was working from home all the time. So I was eating breakfast at like 10 AM before obviously can't do that now if I go into office. So I'll eat breakfast and then I'll take transit to work. And then I'm at work from like nine 30 till around five, normally halfway through the day, we take my owner's my owners, my boss's dog on a walk. His name is Henry. He's adorable. We'll take him on a walk or we'll go to the dog park and play with him there and then get back to work. And then I'll walk home partially with my boss, Alex, and then I'll continue walking home or hop on the streetcar. And then I'll come home. If I didn't work out in the morning, I'll work out then make dinner, shower, relax, and do any emails. If I have any emails, and just like relax and call it a day. If I'm not going into the office, I'll usually work out in the morning. The reason why I don't really work out in the morning sometimes when I go into the office is because I don't want my hair to be greasy or to be in a rush or like to be a bit sweaty or anything. Like I'll always shower before, but sometimes like you want to take like a long, nice workout, not worry about the time, you know? 
So I'll work out in the morning and then shower. And then I'll usually start on my workout like around 930, have a cup of coffee and then have breakfast whenever I get hungry naturally, um, work till five. And then I, I try to go on like an afternoon walk because I haven't really gotten out of my house yet. Um, it's been really cold in Toronto and then basically like the same as like when I work, I'll have dinner, relax, do any admin stuff for my own stuff and go to bed. I love that. So obviously working out is a big priority to you. Have you always been really into working out? Is that new in your routine? So I grew up dancing competitively. Um, So that was like my main form of working out. I never went to the gym really until university. And that is when I got really into fitness, I would say. And I started off doing like BBG. And that's when I started my Instagram back then. And I fell in love with fitness. And it's been really consistent ever since then. I've always been a very like disciplined and driven person. I haven't really had like a roller coaster with fitness in terms of like being super on it and super off of it. So I would say like my whole life, I've been really active. I completely relate to that. I also grew up competitively dancing and I feel like it instilled so many different values that Mm -hmm. I still hold to this day because I was so used to going into the studio to practice Monday through Friday, competition Saturday, Sunday, working out is a little bit more natural, I think, to me now because I was so used to it growing up. Mm -hmm. I feel like being a dancer or playing a sport, I find like athletes, I'm not that a dancer isn't an athlete, but I feel like specifically girls like who played sports growing up, they tend to fall out of it when they give up. But I feel like dancers who stuck it out until university or if they continue to dance in university, for the most part, continue to live a healthy, active lifestyle and have the want to work out every single day and really enjoy it as opposed to I feel like athletes kind of get like burnt out and like they kind of give up on fitness for a while. That's just what I've seen. I've definitely seen that too. And that's so interesting. I wonder why I feel like for me, at least dance was always a very comfortable place. And I felt Mm -hmm. like because dance, yes, it's a sport. Yes. It's hard on your body and stuff, but it also is an art form and it it has a lot of expression and creativity interlaced to the sport itself. So I feel like maybe that's part of the reason why people who are dancers are more likely to keep up with it when they're older. Yeah, I was just going to say that because I feel like it's more therapeutic. Like you use it as like an outlet in a way. Like I feel like I could be wrong. I never really played sports growing up, but I don't think it was really an outlet for one to express their emotions or to work through things or to escape. Like when you're playing a sport, you're very much focused on the sport. Not that you aren't when you're dancing, but dance, as you said, is like an art form, like it's expressive. So I feel like we take that and carry it into whatever movement we're doing. Cause like, I know like when I go on walks, like when I do my hot girl walks, like I go into like a haze, like if someone comes up to me and starts talking to me, like it takes me a few seconds to snap out of it. It's like, I'm like in a meditative state almost because even if I'm listening to a podcast, like I'm so in the zone of like walking or like if I'm working out at the gym, like I'm very much like in the zone and like in my head and like, just like, I don't know, just being like present, but also not like, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm sure you know what I mean. I totally know what you mean. Honestly, that's why I personally love working out so much. And I don't see it as like, oh, I have to go do my workout today. Like I've never really thought of it. 
in that negative light because Mm -hmm. I do zone out and I almost have a break because my brain like 24 seven when I'm not working out is so chaotic and I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about to-do list and everything that I have to get done and all of these like miscellaneous things that don't really matter but when I'm working out I'm focused on my form and I'm focused on like you know just a good state of mind a hundred percent it's incredible so you mentioned that you obviously we both didn't really struggle with fitness did you ever struggle with like food guilt or just eating habits in general yeah so growing up I had a really good relationship with food and I wish I could go back and like stay there. Um, Obviously, like I've made my way back to that, but I feel like as most girls, we go through a period of time where we fall victim to diet culture and dieting and all these bad diets, um, develop disordered eating habits or an eating disorder. If it gets that extreme for the longest time, like whenever I reflect back on this period of my life, it was the summer after my freshman year of university into like my third year. So junior year, when I reflect back before, I would say I I didn't have an eating disorder. I just had disordered eating, but I was actually talking about it with Corey the other day. And I was like, no, like the habits that I had were very much in align with what an eating disorder is. And it was very much orthorexic behavior. Um, I became really obsessed with making sure everything was quote unquote clean I was afraid of carbs. I was afraid of too many calories. I was scared that I was going to gain weight again because in first year I had put on weight and that's like kind of what triggered this. Like after first year, I tried to, I lost the weight that I gained like my freshman 15, which was actually 25 for me. I had lost it. And I was fearful of going back to that place because I felt so unlike myself when I was bigger. Um, And it was really hard for me to accept that my body would be changing and it has changed. And I can confidently say I'm the same weight that I was when I was in first year and was my quote unquote heaviest. And I feel so different. So it's, it's crazy. Like the scale literally means nothing. Um, but I feel like I really have made a full, like 180, I don't even know what it would be, but a full transformation of my food journey. And I've definitely have like developed a lot of a healthy, a much more healthier relationship with food. And I'm really proud of that. And I feel like I'm a lot more intuitive and in high school, yes, I had a healthy relationship with food, but I didn't necessarily eat the best and that's okay. So I feel like right now I found like a really happy medium where I have nutrition and I have my soul foods and my feel good foods. And I know how to have them in moderation. Obviously I still have triggers. Obviously sometimes I fall back into old habits, but I feel overall I've come a very long way. Absolutely. How do you think you got to where you are today? I feel like it was a lot of different things. I think surrounding myself with friends, both in real life and on like following digital creators that really promoted intuitive eating and healthy eating habits um, really helped me because the issue was before is that at university, not that it was these individuals faults, but diet culture is very prevalent and you may not realize this, but the things you surround yourself with, whether you intentionally pick up on those habits or behaviors or thoughts, you can do it subconsciously. And I'm the type of person that is always very hyper aware and not that I always try to, but I absorb what other people give out. And so it impacts me a lot. 
So ensuring that I surrounded myself with people who were practicing the habits and speaking the way about their food and their body and fitness and everything of that sort in that world in a positive, healthy way was so important. And that was a huge contribution to my journey. I think also listening to podcasts that spoke about intuitive eating and overcoming diet culture and watching YouTube videos of people who overcame it as well really helped me because it also made me feel like not alone. And it also provided me with the tips and tricks that they use to get over it or to get through it. But it definitely is not just like I one day I woke up and it was all better. I definitely went through phases where I was eating intuitively and then I fell back to being restrictive and like going into old habits and then went back to intuitive eating and then then was like totally threw everything out the the door and like was just like not eating the best and not feeling the best and not really caring about how I felt when I was eating. So just know if you're listening to this and you feel like you're stuck in this diet culture and this like dieting like loop or like the yo-yo diet or like this binge restrict cycle, whatever it may be, there is an out and it is worth the journey is work. It's worth all the hard work and the ups and downs. A hundred percent. And I think the first step is recognizing, you know, that something's wrong. And for me, I think that step took a really long time. I honestly think it wasn't until I started creating content on TikTok that I even realized that I had disordered eating habits and that I felt so insecure about the food that I was eating and all of that stuff. It wasn't even brought to my attention necessarily until I started seeing other people having such a great relationship with food. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, they can eat oatmeal for breakfast and not feel guilty about it. I bet I can too. And it really took seeing someone else do it first to almost make me feel like I can do that as well and feel comfortable enough to do that. And I think that was a big reason why I have stuck to creating content over this past Mm -hmm. year, year and a half, because it was the people that I saw that like changed my life. A hundred percent. Like, I don't think I would have gone through my journey if it weren't for me being active in these communities online or creating my own content, even with my fitness journey. Like I really think like my account has what has helped keep me accountable all these years, because when you grow up dancing, you're used to your team, your teachers, everyone kind of being on top of you for, okay, you have practice from these times. You need to like, if you're not performing, like you're out or you're like, you lose that solo or you lose that special part. But I feel like you have like a following online, even if it's one person, two people, like you're posting like that, that's a way to keep yourself accountable and it gives you content. So you want to keep doing it. Is that how you have stayed so consistent? Because something that a lot of people asked when I asked for questions said that we were recording together. So many people asked you about how you're so consistent on social media. I mean, you have a TikTok, an Instagram, a YouTube, a podcast, I mean, you're even active on LinkedIn. Like (laughs) you are always creating some sort of content. Is that like your key to success in staying consistent? I think it's honestly my personality. Like I'm very much like a type A personality always have been like since a young age, when I've decided I want something, I will do everything in my power to achieve it. Um, one could say I'm a go-getter. I'm a hustler. Like that was my reputation. Like 
obviously like I did business school. So girls are very rare in business. It's very much like male dominated and all my guy friends from high school and who I went to school with always knew me as like the hustler. Like I always worked hard, even if I didn't get the best grades, I was always like working super hard. And like, even for like the smallest assignments, even if it was like 5% or 10%, I worked hard. And I think that has transferred into the rest of my life. And I grew up watching YouTube videos. I had been wanting to do YouTube since I was 12 years old. My parents didn't let me originally because it wasn't safe. My mom spoke to the IT guy. She was worried about my safety, blah, blah, blah. blah. I totally understand. But like, mom, like I wanted to start YouTube like shortly after like um, Amanda Steele started YouTube and like all these YouTubers. I'm like, mom. And like in high school, I was like, mom, if you let me do this, like I could be at Fashion Week in Paris right now but you didn't let me start YouTube. (laughs) So I feel like it was like, I just had to like, owe it to like my 12 year old self. And because I had been wanting it for so long and because of like my work ethics and the type of person I am, it has allowed me to have the want and the drive to keep on going. Like when I decide to do something, I do it. I, I don't give up. I don't like to give up. I love that. And I can definitely see that through every single platform that you're on. You're extremely consistent with high quality content always. And it's inspiring, not only to me as like your friend, but also just as someone on social media, you know, doing this, hopefully to have it as some sort of experience in the social media field. It's extremely inspirational. And I think a lot of your, you're welcome. I think a lot of your audience can see that as well I got so many questions asking like how do you grow on social media and I feel like consistency is obviously like the number one thing but do you have anything else about social media growth Tad? I think you need to find your why this is something I always say everyone's always like how do you grow your following how do you get followers how do you get people to like your stuff how do you go viral And yes, all those things are awesome. We all want them. Don't get me wrong. I totally want that too. Like, I wish I had like 300,000 plus followers on TikTok right now. Like that would be sick. Awesome. Like, I wish I could hit a hundred thousand on YouTube. Maybe one day I will. I really want that plaque. I think it would be awesome. But if that's your only why behind why you're creating all this content, you're going to get burnt out really fast. I'm really sorry to break it to you, but it's not going to motivate you to keep on going, especially if you're not getting the results that you want and in the time frame that you want. I've been doing this for four years and I think a lot of people forget that and they don't really know that because they're only following me now because like only now has it started to pick up within the past year. But determine your why, like why do you want to create content? Why do you want to share the things that you're sharing? For me, I was always looking for someone that was sharing the type of content that I share. So I created the content that I wanted to see and I love sharing knowledge and facts and things that I find out and things that I love with other people. Like I do this in my normal life. Like I do it with my friends growing up. I was called Siri because I knew all these random facts. Like you ask me a question. I somehow know the answer. I just absorb everything like a sponge. So (laughs) creating like socials and being able to do that with a larger audience is really rewarding for me. And I love it. And it's not draining to me being turned like, on all the time, like having to put myself out there and like also figuring out what like your value is. Like people are very much over the aesthetic only content. Yes. That girl aesthetic and like the super like clean, crisp aesthetic and like super pretty things are loved, but 
only when it's like motivational behind it or like there's an underlying like value that can be taken away. But that girl aesthetic works because it motivates people to get up early, to be productive, to take care of their mind, body, and soul. And see, there's so many benefits. So figure out what value you can add, whether it be creating recipes, whether it be finance tips, whether it be coding. Um, maybe you're really into books. So maybe you're going to start a book Instagram and you're going to rate all these books that you read and like give a sparks notes on it or something. Find something that someone is going to want to press the save button so that they can refer to it later, even if they don't, but they want to press save because it's really valuable or they want to screenshot it and send it to their friend or they want to share it on their story. Think about value, obviously consistency, and then engage. Think about your relationships in real life. If you don't really engage with, say, me and I, like, say we don't really, like, engage with each other in real life, um, don't really talk, we're not really going to have a good relationship or bond or connection. Maybe she's not going to be the first person that I think of when I'm having my party or I don't know, when I want to have plans. But if I'm always texting her or if I'm always talking to her in class or when I see her at work or whatever, then we're both more likely to put each other in a group chat with friends or like think of the other person or like you have like that deeper connection. So the same thing goes with social media. Like when your followers are commenting on your stuff, comment back. If you see someone in your niche, like posting similar content to yours, follow them, comment on their stuff and respond to their stories, start a conversation the same way how me and Maya are talking right now. That's because we engaged with one another and we, we really worked on building a relationship, a relationship. Like you want to build a relationship with your community. You want to make those people feel special. The reason why like influencers like Tink's have blown up is because they have like these rituals and they really engage with their followers and they provide them value and they're consistent and they're uniquely them and their why is so much more than just having a million followers. So if you take anything, be consistent, provide value and engage. I love that so much. You hit so many good points. And I think one of the first ones that you mentioned was like the long game versus the short game. I have so many people that ask me like, oh, well, I just want to be an influencer by this time next year. And honestly, that's just unrealistic for a lot of people. Social Mm -hmm. media takes so much time and it should. You're building a community of people where you actually like would be friends with them in real life. I mean, it's always nice when a video goes viral, but Sometimes it goes viral for the wrong reason. And other times, you know, you want to have those videos that maybe don't perform as well, but they deepen your connection to your audience Mm -hmm. that you already have. Like, I think that was something that was really important to me. I'm not sure if it was Lauren or Michael on the Skinny Confidential podcast, but they mentioned like, why are you so focused on hitting 100,000, 200,000 followers when you have, you know, maybe 300 followers already and you're not even giving into what they need from you as a creator right now. And I think that is when my whole philosophy of social media really changed because I did start to cue in on like, oh my gosh, I already have, you know, more than 10 followers. I might as well ask them what they want from me and really think of it as a friendship. Mm -hmm. And like, if you like think about your followers, like the ones that have been with you from day one, like those are like your super fans. Those are like your best friends. Those are like your soulmate, like your husband, they, they're, they're in your bridal party. And then like, obviously like the other followers that come along, yes, they're very supportive, but maybe they're just like the guests at your wedding. They're still interested in you. They're still important to you, but they're not like that coordinate group. And the reason why, like, if you want to make like 
social media a career, if you want to be an influencer or a blogger, creator of some sort, you really do need those, those supporting connections in order to do well. Like that's how, like, if you come out with a product, your super fans are the ones that are going to be really supportive of you because they love you as a person and they want to support you no matter what you do. And that's really important. Same way. Like if you don't have really close friendships, you're not going to have bridesmaids at your wedding. Like you're not going to have people that really support you and are like your day ones or like your support system. That's such a great analogy. What social media platform do you think has the most growth opportunity and which one do you feel like you're the most connected to your audience on? Okay. I think this is like really like basic right now, but definitely TikTok. Um, obviously it's become a little bit harder to like go quote unquote viral, but I'm someone who observes like everything and anything. And what I've noticed from TikTok are the creators that blow up on TikTok have these super engaged followings. They have these cult followings and their followings transfer to all the other platforms because they're so hungry for more content in different formats, whether it be them going to their Instagram, they want to see their aesthetic photos. They want them more in the real moment on stories, whether they want the longer form content and they want to go to YouTube, or maybe they want to hear them talk more because they do these voiceovers on their TikTok. So then they go to their podcast. Those followers on TikTok are so engaged. And then also because the audience on TikTok is like so much younger, they're going to grow up with you. Kind of like how we grew up with like Bethany Moda and Lauren Elizabeth and Claudia Saluski on YouTube. Like it's like the same sort of thing. Um, I definitely think TikTok has the most potential. Um, and I've seen people grow so crazy fast from prioritizing TikTok. And it even has helped me grow my Instagram, grow my YouTube, everything. But I do feel like I'm the most attached to Instagram. I think it's because I started on Instagram and that's my baby. It's also like my main revenue source. A lot of my brand deals are on Instagram. So I feel like I'm a lot more involved on there. And plus like Instagram is like the OG. Like I know Facebook was, but like who cares about Facebook? Like Facebook, like you're gone. But I love Instagram. Like I feel like the most time I spend on is Instagram, then TikTok. And then YouTube It's like obviously like very close and dear to me, but I feel like that's less connected because think about it like you most likely a YouTuber doesn't film a vlog and then upload it within the same week. Like it's like last week's vlog or like two weeks ago. Um, So it's not real time, which is why I love TikTok and Instagram because it can be so like in the moment. Hence Insta, Instagram. (laughs) I like that too. Yeah, I definitely feel the most connected to my Instagram audience as well. And I really feel like it's because of stories. I feel like I'll have stories sometimes that are like the tiniest little dots at the top, which yes, I'm like, is it too much? Like, I don't know. I'm like, am I annoying? But it's so much fun. Like, (laughs) no, I love it when people post just like the random things that they do every single day on their Instagram stories, because it really feels like you get to know them on such a deeper level, even if it seems stupid and irrelevant. Like half the time before I post something, I have that moment where I'm like, do people really care about? They do. They're so noisy. Like think about like how much stuff you wish you knew about different people and like how much stuff you want to see. Like people, like, I don't know, like we're just like a regular, like Jane and Jill, like people still care. Like I would, I would care. Like I care about like anyone, like when I find even like a smaller creator and like they post a lot of stories, like I'm so intrigued. (laughs) Yes, me too. And something that I've been seeing on TikTok a lot actually 
is that people don't care about Instagram anymore. And that especially having like a very aesthetic feed on Instagram is out. And I would love to know your opinions on this because I have very mixed opinions. I think that in some ways, I think people are over the aesthetic in terms of like, if that's all you are, if you're just posting an aesthetic picture with like one emoji as the caption, people are probably gonna get bored of it eventually. But I do think that when I go to follow someone on Instagram, I do see if their account is aesthetic because that's something that I like and I find inspiring. So what are your thoughts on that? Okay, this is like a fun question because I'm very much, I love the aesthetic, but I also think, and people have been talking about it, how casual Instagram is coming. But here is my take. And this is what I've heard someone talk about. I can't remember who it was, but so I'm kind of quoting them. This casual Instagram aesthetic, which has started, I want to say like 2018, 2019, is a very privileged aesthetic. You're able to have this casual aesthetic if you have a cute kitchen or a cute house. Not everyone can afford to pick what their kitchen looks like or the furniture that goes in their home or the clothes that they're wearing. So it comes from a very privileged place. Like think of Emma Chamberlain, like she's very casual with her Instagram, but it's very aesthetic because she's able to afford all these luxurious pieces of clothing, whether they're thrifted or not. And she has a very elevated sense of style, which comes with her privilege and her house. She could like make a very casually cooking video. She posted a cooking video and this is not hate to her. I think she's amazing and I love her, but like she posted a casual cooking video and it's very aesthetic and pleasing to watch because her kitchen is beautiful and the house that she's renting that she's able to afford. But if you have a very dark kitchen that's older, maybe it's outdated, maybe it's run down, you wouldn't get like the same effect. Um, So I definitely feel like casual Instagram. I love that it's becoming more casual, but it definitely is a bit more privileged because it's still as privileged as it was when it was super aesthetic and like put together and curated. I feel like people don't care about Instagram as much in the sense that they're not super high strung about what type of content goes on their feed. It doesn't have to be perfectly placed anymore. It can be a little bit miscellaneous. Like a good example is Eli Rallo, uh, the jar, her handle on TikTok is the jar, but if you go to her Instagram, it's Eli.Rallo. She was actually on my podcast, but I actually love her Instagram. It is so casual. Like it looks like a scrapbook and it looks like an, like an old school blog and it's really cool. And I feel like more and more people are doing that with their Instagrams, but I definitely feel like people care more about TikTok. Like it's always TikTok, 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 and like YouTube, obviously. I feel like YouTube is never going to go away, but I just feel like Instagram is more chill. Like people aren't super stressed about what they're posting on their stories. They're sharing every little tidbit of their life in a more casual way when they're answering Q and A's. Like even I am like, I used to put aesthetic photos behind my Q and A's. Now I'm literally taking selfies. Like, I don't care what I look like. Like that was not a thing before. And I feel like it almost allows you to create more content when you're not so focused on the aesthetic, because I also have had that like mental switch recently where I'm like, why does it matter if it's perfectly placed on my Instagram? Like it doesn't, it's going to be the same content, regardless of if the coffee photo goes before me or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I love your Q and A's so much because you answer so many freaking questions and like, that's helpful. Like that's the point of having a Q and A. And there are so many people on Instagram that, you know, will answer questions, but they'll answer five and they'll be super aesthetic, which is still fine. Whatever works for you works for you, but 
it's nice to be able to have more content from people that you enjoy consuming. And I like, I noticed like when I started answering more questions and posting them on my story and like saying like, nothing is like off limits, like ask me anything because I want to, I like want my followers to think of me as like their big sister or like their sister, like their best friend. And I want them to be able to come to me like, Hey, like I just went on a date with a guy and this happened. Like, can you give me some advice? Like I have girls in my DMs now, like telling me like, updates about their dating stories or like going on a first date like what do I wear like stuff like that I'm like this is so cool like I feel like chinks like I feel cool like I don't know like it's fun like getting to know a little bit about your followers lives because for so long it's only like one way like they know so much about you but you don't really know much about them besides the fact that maybe you have similar interests I love that. And I think I need you to spill the tea on your dating life a little bit because I am so far removed from the dating scene. I've been in like a very healthy, committed relationship for like four years now, which is great. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. No, it's fantastic. But I get so much joy when I see your like private Instagram story (laughs) about your dating life. Okay. Right now my dating life is a little like stagnant. It has been for like the past month. Although we're back on hinge Hinge is like my go-to. I also use locks club sometimes, but it's like a elite Jewish dating app. I have a lifetime gifted membership to it. Like, let me know why they gave me a lifetime membership. Like, thank you. But like, I want to find someone at some point, you know, like log off of here. But I appreciate like that you're giving me my time. It's not like you're stuck to like one year to find love sort of thing. But most of the men on those apps are located in the States, in New York or in Cali. And let me tell you, I think that's where all the really attractive, tall Jewish men are because Jewish men I love you, but you seem to be very short. And I mean, I'm not that tall, but I want a man that's like 5'11", like at least like I'm 5'4". Like I want you to kind of like tower over me. Like, you know, I want to feel little, like, I don't think I'm like the most petite person. I'm definitely like curvy. So I want a tall man that makes me feel little, but I'm starting to rebuild my roster. We're talking to a few guys, but Toronto's kind of in lockdown. We're coming out of it on the 31st. People are dining outside on patios right now. Let me know how outdoor dining is allowed when it's literally, we're not allowed indoor dining. We're only allowed outdoor dining right now. And it's literally like enclosed and it's heated. And I'm like, it's, it's the same thing. You're just slightly cold, but I don't know. So we're starting to rebuild a roster. I like having three men on my roster. I've at one point in the summer, I had like five. And I was like overwhelmed. And let me clarify, I'm not sleeping with all these men. I'm just merely going on dates and drinks with them. I will maybe hook up with one of them and then like clear the roster when I feel confident if it if that it gets to that point. But for those that don't know, I had a hot girl summer. If you need dating tips, come to me. But there's not really anyone right now. I went through a little bit of like a heartbreak at the beginning of December. But now I realize it's been like seven weeks and we're fine. It took like two days and we cried. We're good. We listened to Sean Mendez's It'll Be Okay for like six hours straight. And then we were good. <laughs> I love that. Time truly does heal everything. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode with some rapid fire questions. The first one, kind of throwing it back to our first episode that we recorded together. What is an unpopular opinion you have? Oh my God, I can never answer this. Um, 
Hmm. Okay. My unpopular opinion is that waking up at 6 3 a.m. actually rocks. And I hate that people are hating on it right now. Okay. That's facts because I mean, maybe for some people they're like night people, but I am such a morning person and waking up early literally sets my day up for success. Like a hundred percent of the time. Like it makes me sad when I sleep in. <laughs> I slept in this morning, which I only slept in until 8.30. And a lot of See, people- that's sleeping in for me too. That's <laughs> people are like, that's normal. I know so many people slid up on my Instagram story and they were like, girl, sleeping in is like past noon. And I was like, I don't think I, I could never do that when I slept in. It was like till 11 when I was sleeping in before. And that was like, I woke up at eight and like made myself go back to bed because I would make myself sleep in to be cool. <laughs> little um insider thoughts that's what I used to do in high school you know guys I I made myself sleep in so I could tell my friends I slept it that is so funny but that is like seen as cool like going out and partying sleeping in late eating junk food like that was like the cool vibes in high school I participated so I'm so happy we've moved on from that lifestyle <laughs> me too All right. What is your go-to coffee order? Right now it has been an oat milk flat white or an oat milk cappuccino. I used to be a latte girl. Now we're, we've changed it up. I'm a latte girl, but I might have to try a cappuccino. It's like more foamy, less milk. Okay. Sounds good. That Um, makes sense. Yeah. I'm going to have to order that next time I go out. What is your favorite way to move your body? Right now I'm loving Sammy Clark on her form platform. Yes, it is so good. I have a subscription too, and I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) What is a food that you could eat every single day? Chocolate. It's so good, especially dark chocolate. I used to be a milk chocolate girl. Don't get me wrong. It's still amazing, but like dark chocolate just hits different, especially the Lindt dark chocolate bar, 85% with sea salt. Yes. Dark chocolate with sea salt is like the only way to do it. It's my favorite. Mm. Last question. What is your dream brand collaboration? I've worked with like amazing brands, which I'm very grateful. Maybe like an actual like collaboration with Aritzia opposed to just like being gifted. I've been gifted once, so like a full like campaign sort of thing. Oh, I'm so here for that. That would be so cute. A little puffer jacket for the winter. Yeah. Like, I don't know. My whole wardrobe is either Aritzia or Lululemon at this point. Like, come on, guys, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, let the listeners know everywhere we can find you. I just had a whole rebrand. So you can find me at anything at Alana Bloomberg, A-L-L-A-N-A-B-L-U-M-B-E-R-G. And you can find me on my podcast at Morning Ray. Ray is spelled R-A-E. I love to spell my name in very unique ways, but that makes me me. Amazing. I love that. And I will obviously have all of your information linked in the description. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lanny. It was so nice catching up and thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you soon. XX Maya.